0: pray amen and amen okay open up your bibles with me to matthew chapter 4 we are starting a new series we're starting a new we did so the past two series that we did they were long ones and it's okay the lord has been encouraging me to do longer series don't worry about what everybody else is doing and that they only have four week series and you can do a longer one that was the lord you know ministering to me And so we did the Believer's Authority last year and then into the beginning of this year. And I feel like, including myself, we all kind of had like this doctorate degree of the Believer's Authority. Like, we really understand this after spending month after month on it. And then we moved to the attributes of God. How many of you, I I mean, I personally enjoy How many of you feel like coming out of that series, you have a better understanding of who God is? Yeah. I mean, just a better understanding of who he is and his attributes and what to attribute to him and then what not to attribute to him, which would be sickness and disease and death and all the things that are from the world and from the enemy. And so those the last two things that we did were uh, topics. It was a topic, and then we looked at different places in the Bible. And I really feel like the Lord asking us to go through A a passage of scripture, verse by verse, week after week. And so we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. And we are not going to skip any verses. Because how many of you know, sometimes in the Bible, you like read a verse and you're just like, I don't really understand that. I don't really want to research that. Doesn't feel good right now at the moment. So I'm just going to let that go. We're not going to skip anything. We're going to go right through the whole Sermon on the Mount. And we've done series in the past where we've done like books of the Bible, but it's just like a little bit of here and there, a section at a time. So we're going to do the whole Sermon on the Mount. And today is going to be an introduction to that. And so I'm not going to start in Matthew chapter 5, which is where the Sermon on the Mount starts. We're going to back up just a little bit to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at that. And the question I have, so if you were to read the sermon on, I know, how many enjoyed Pastor Andy reading the book of Ruth? Uh, was it the book of Ruth last week? How many enjoyed that? Kind of, isn't that neat? I mean, the Bible talks about <laughs> reading the word, you know, when we assemble together, and yet many a times we don't do it. So we're going we're gonna to do that, and we're going to do it verse by verse a little bit at a time, and we're going to really dig in and understanding that. But this sermon on the mount can be read in like 12 minutes, 12 minutes. And if you read some of the background and some of what the scholars had said, you know, they don't think that Jesus, like, got up and just said, like, those, it wasn't, like, verbatim, those 12 minutes and then it was over. Uh, but it was over the course of a couple days, potentially. And I don't know exactly, I wasn't there. The Bible doesn't say, and the Lord spoke for 12 minutes and here were his words. Right? So we don't know exactly how it all played out. But I do know that is a very powerful Powerful portion of Scripture. If I were to ask you a question this morning, if you had to summarize Jesus' whole message into one sentence, what would it be? You don't, you don't have to say it out loud. Just think about it for a minute. If you were to summarize Jesus' entire message, the reason for coming, the reason for being, what would it be? Some of us would say, "Well, it's it's to love others." Maybe he certainly came to show us love, to lay down his life. But was that his primary message on what he came to do? Some of you would say, "Well, it's the golden rule." I know they taught me that in school. I remember something about "do unto others as you would have them do unto you." That's why Jesus came. Eh, not necessarily. That was an outflow of why he came. Say, well, you know, maybe it's how to go to heaven, a relationship with God. Yeah, that's part of it. But I want to answer that this morning because it'll be the foundational framework for the entire Sermon on the Mount. It'll be the reason why we're looking at that passage of scripture. And then everything we pull out of the Sermon on the Mount will reflect back to this statement as to why Jesus came. What was his primary purpose? His whole message wrapped up in a one sentence. What would it be? Matthew 4, starting in verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been, had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea. In the regions of Zebulun and, say that with me, I don't know, Naphtali. You know, sometimes, sometimes words in the Bible are hard to pronounce. So when you're reading your Bible in the morning, just some encouragement. If you can't pronounce the word that you see, your pastor can't either. Okay? So again, if you look it up, if it concerns you, if it bothers you, you can go, you know, you can Google it. You know, get the pronunciation. Okay. That it might be fulfilled, verse 14... Which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, the light has dawned. Verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say. This is the the phrase. This is Jesus' message wrapped up in one sentence. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. There's so much wrapped up in that sentence. Repent. And we're going to talk a little bit about what repenting actually means. It's not saying, I'm sorry. It's not saying, forgive me. Repent for. why? Why repent? What's the purpose of repenting? What does it mean? and does it mean anything? Why? Because for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. Jesus is coming to this earth. His message was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is the most important message you'll ever hear. It's the whole purpose of the gospel. You can't leave here this morning not understanding that. I want you to understand this sentence. It's the primary sentence of Jesus' message. Jesus talks about the word kingdom. He says the word kingdom 126 times in the Gospels. 126 times he used the word kingdom. 55 times in Matthew alone. So what does this kingdom mean? A king. This kingdom, God created and started a kingdom on this earth, and it starts way back in Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And he began to establish a kingdom that then was broken. There was a fall, there was sin. How many of you, every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. And so he starts this kingdom. He created this world. He gave Adam and Eve dominion over this earth, over this kingdom. He was creating a perfect kingdom. And he put them in this place called the garden. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think of the word garden. I think of my tomatoes in the back. Well, I don't even have tomatoes in the backyard. Although Eva wants me to plant some tomatoes in the backyard. I need to do that I'm not talking about your tomato garden I'm not even talking about zucchinis or squash or pumpkin I'm talking about the most perfect beautiful place you have ever seen or could ever imagine or could ever know it was perfect the garden was perfect the kingdom was perfect And the whole purpose of Jesus coming is that eventually as he comes and as he died and as he rose from the grave and as he comes again, it is to then make that kingdom perfect again. And the whole purpose of Jesus coming was for us to understand, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. This is what Jesus did. This is the whole process. This is why he is here. We are meant, church, Each of you, we were meant to be royal stewards of this kingdom. We were created in his image, male and female, us, them, he, them. We were created in his image. And we are to be royal stewards of this kingdom. Listen to this. I found this definition online. It says a steward is an official. You are an official. Just like I, you know, when I t- tell you my story about casting out you know, the demonic activity at the place where I work. I, we, you are a steward of the kingdom. You are a steward and you are your purpose, your calling is to help issue in the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Until Jesus comes back again, until he establishes the perfection and the kingdom again. Each and every one of us are here to help establish God's kingdom on this earth. And the Sermon on the Mount, as we walk through it, is verse by verse in how we actually do that. The way of Jesus. And it's not like the world would do it. Where do we get to the Beatitudes? It's completely opposite of what the world. Blessed are the rich, for they shall be able to pay for everything. Not one of the Beatitudes. But the world says, oh, well, if you're rich, you must be blessed. Not true. Not true. So we're gonna get into all that and begin to understand that and break through that. But a steward is an official who is appointed. Church, you are an, uh, you are an official who was appointed by God. You are appointed by the ruling monarch. To, look at this, to represent them. You are appointed steward, an official to represent God. To represent them in the country. And it says this, and you have a mandate to govern. Church, you have a mandate to govern. That means you are called to do it, you are anointed to do it, you have been given power to do it, to rule over your family, over the principalities and powers of darkness, over the place where you work, your place of employment. The Bible says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here, church. We are working on it. It's here. A mandate to govern, and I love what they, this is is just straight out of Google, baby. Even Google can find the truth when the truth is in the word of God, amen? To mandate to govern it in their name. In their name. This is what it says. A steward is represented official to mandate in the name of the official or the authority or power that you were given it. So, how many of us know in the name of Jesus is how we operate? We've been given that authority, and then we operate in the name of Jesus. So, this perfect kingdom that God created no fear, no pain, no sin, no disease, no lying. But as humans, and given this free choice that God has given us, Adam and Eve, just like you and I, wanted their own kingdom. Don't we want our own kingdom? we try to keep our own kingdom. They wanted their own knowledge. They wanted their own power. And then they they of course you know the story of the garden they sinned in the garden and then the rest of the old testament uncovers God's plan set in motion to restore this perfection. That's a, this whole Bible from the beginning, it's God's plan for redemption of mankind, starting from the beginning all the way to the end, to restore perfection, to restore the kingdom as it was initially intended to be created. He chose Abraham to start a new line of people for this kingdom. They got enslaved, so He called Moses to free them. And then there was prophet after king and prophets and kings, some doing good, some doing bad. But none of it worked. None of it actually did what only God could do through Jesus Christ, his son. Because it says this in Isaiah, verse 9. For unto us a child is born. And I, when I read this, I want you to think of it in, this, in the terms of a kingdom. Of establishing a kingdom. And these words that the Bible uses, is, is like, it's like kingdom words. For unto us a child is given, and the government... ...shall be on his shoulder. The government of what? Like the United States government? No, the government of this kingdom of God. The family of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And his name will be called Wonderful... ...Counselor, Mighty God... ...Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace... ...there will be no end. How many of you are looking forward to where there is no end to peace... And everyone said, amen. Oh, when? <laughs> All right. When, tomorrow, when, soon, please. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Look at those words. I mean, that is establishing a kingdom. It's talking about boundaries. It's talking about about just like the way this thing is going to operate for everyone. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And Matthew even quotes parts of this scripture in his gospel. And Matthew also says "In the blind, the bind up, and the broken heart, and the captives will be set free. Every tear will be wiped away. These are the things that Jesus came to establish. Essentially, the one who will make everything right Come on, church. The one who will make everything right that we made wrong. Jesus. He is the one. He is the one. And through his life, his death, and his resurrected, conquering the kingdom of sin and death, paves the way for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. Jesus paved the way for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth, for you, for me, for all of humanity, for the rest of creation. And I believe this is why, and we see the Bible talks about there are signs and wonders that follow The gospel message. There are signs and wonders that follow. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the reason there's evidence is there because it needs to arrest our attention that this is something real. This is not just some words that we say. This is not just a little prayer that we pray. Well, Lord, you know, I repent of that. This is serious business. This is serious stuff. And then signs and wonders followed Jesus wherever he went. And the Bible said his message was Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If you look at Acts 14, verse 3, it says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The message of Jesus, the gospel, repent, for the kingdom of God is here, comes with signs and wonders following. And any of you know who even walked with Jesus even for a day, for a moment, there is something he is always working on. He is always doing. He is always changing. He is always. And it, when when we avoid that, like I have done for you know, the majority of my life, the best that I can, because we all don't want to go, like, I don't want to talk about that. We talked about that this morning. We were in a, a session with a couple. We were talking about how some people, just they just want to dig in. They want to get into the deep. They just want to feel that pain and wrestle that stuff out. And then others of us are like, Repent. Like we want to just take the Tylenol and avoid the pain. And the Lord is saying we have to stop doing that. The Lord is saying it is time to stop medicating with what the world has to offer. Stop medicating with the world's Tylenol. And you understand what I'm doing there? I'm not just saying Tylenol. Stop looking for things to fulfill your time and effort to distract you from what God really wants to do in your life. As the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This message of Jesus and his whole life, you can see that it is all related to a kingdom. His death on the cross was what? A crown of thorns? Crown of Thorns robes of lashes, and a sign above him that said, what? King of the Jews. And his resurrection declares the victory, his resurrection, his death on the cross, in the grave for three days, and then God raising him from the dead, raising him from the grave, declares victory that put into motion the restoration of all things, The restoration of that grief that you walked in here with today. The restoration of that lost loved one that you can't wait to see when you get to heaven to see them again. He is the one who put into motion the restoration of all things. And I'll tell you what, church, that's good news. That's the gospel. That's the message. Jesus came proclaiming the good news. He proclaimed that the kingdom of God is at hand. And I asked you that question in the beginning, you know, did Jesus come teaching that, you know, how to live a good life? Well, yeah, he gave us some instruction on how to live a good life, but that's not his primary message. He taught us how to love one another. He taught us how to get along, how to deal with anger, how to do all these things, but his primary message was nothing more than repent for the kingdom of God is here. So what does this word repent mean? What does this word repent actually uh, look like? I don't know if I put this up on the slide or not. Do I have a slide on there that says repent? Okay, repent. It means to turn away. It means to actually physically turn away from the thing that is you have an idol in front of God. It actually means to turn away from it. And in our own human flesh, this is hard to do. Because we enjoy sometimes that thing. It brings us some, sometimes it brings us some comfort. Sometimes it brings us all kinds of different things. But what the God is saying to us today, he is saying to actually turn away from it. Not just say, I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me for that. That is all just part of the process of repentance. But repentance actually means to turn away from something. To actually say and look and say, I am Now that I know what I know and I understand what Jesus has done and I understand his love for me, I am choosing to turn away from this world. I'm choosing to live a life differently. Because if you truly know and you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said that he did, you have to look at yourself and say, "I I need to turn away from the things of this world. This repent means to think differently, to act differently. Now that I know, I must change. And it's a process of repentance. We turn away, and the enemy doesn't want you to turn away. The enemy is tempting you back. The Bible says that the enemy will continue to tempt you back into this, and you have to stand firm and stand strong and say, I will turn away and continue to turn away and run away and resist the devil, and he will flee from me. We said this morning, too, one of the best ways you can do that, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and if you're not, you can be today, I will pray with you afterwards up here. Pastor Andy and I, he's got a special anointing. He didn't realize it, but he's got a special anointing to lay hands on people and see them baptized with the Holy Spirit. Using your prayer language in those situations has so much power that you don't even realize. In the midst of temptation, in the midst of a fight, in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of something going on at work or at school or wherever you are, you begin to speak and pray in your prayer language underneath, underneath even your voice so that it's not like you're yeah, I'll now go to work and start speaking in my prayer language you know, on the top of my desk. When you begin to pray in your prayer language, circumstances begin to change. The atmosphere begins to move. And part of this repenting and understanding how to do that is, okay, I've repented, but now what do I do? Because I feel like I'm getting drawn back. And these are the tools that God has given you. You begin to pray and speak in your prayer language, and he gives you the strength. He gives you the power. He gives you the ability that is of him, not of your own striving, so that you can actually continue to turn away from that. In layman's terms, entering into the kingdom means having Jesus turn your whole life upside down and inside out and this whole sermon on the mount is him doing that line by line and we'll begin to get into that uh, next week this is what jesus came to do his teachings primarily this sermon on the mount the primary purpose is to form us into a different kind of people not a worldly people but to walk in the way of jesus to walk as jesus walked to walk in his way to turn around our old lives, our old habits, old kingdoms, and turn them to him. The rest of Matthew 4 says this, starting in verse 18. Jake, if you want to come up here, bud. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20, immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they turned from what they were doing. They turned from the ways and habits that were comfortable to them. And they turned to Jesus. Verse 21, going on from there. He saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is a picture of repentance, guys. It's a picture of turning away, of leaving a previous life and going to a new life in Jesus. That's Jesus' primary message. Repent, turn away from the ways of the world, from the salvation that cannot be found in the world and turn to him, where only salvation can be found. bow your heads with me this morning. Our response to this message today our response to this message today is what are things in my life that I need to repent from? What are things in my life and where I am not living out how God has asked me to live out? What are the things that I have to turn away from and run to Jesus? What net just like those fishermen. What net are you holding on to? That Jesus says this morning, come and follow me. That you need to drop that net right where it lies and leave it in that boat and get out of the comfort zone that you've been living in and follow him. I want you to think on that just for a moment. I actually want you to picture yourself this morning. You know, whatever it is that you're holding on to, if it's, it could be whatever, it could be a relationship, could be a job, could be whatever it might be, it could be a sin that you've been entangled with, that has just been plaguing you, the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of God is here. And I want you to physically just picture yourself laying that thing down at the feet of Jesus. Just laying it down. And then turning away from it. Not Jesus, of course, but turning away from that thing that has ensnared you. Whatever it might be this morning. We're going to surrender that to him. So Lord, as we are doing that this morning, we just ask, Lord, that this act of repentance this morning, this act of turning away, Lord, that we do it in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you have come, lived, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, that we would understand that your kingdom is at hand. And Father, that as when we leave this place today, and as we turn from the things that have been ensnaring us or been entrapping us or things that we need to shed from our lives, as we turn from those things, Lord, the result is that we are bringing your kingdom to this earth. That as we forgive, we're bringing your kingdom to this earth. As we stand up for someone who doesn't have a voice, we are bringing your kingdom to this earth. When we're choosing faith over fear, we're bringing your kingdom to this earth. I don't normally do this, but I just want us all, you keep your eyes closed and head bowed. I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. It is something in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll get there when we individually look at those verses. I felt led this morning that we should just say this together. Okay, one, two, three. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. Lead us not into, I'm, I'm waiting to hear people, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for your kingdom. Jesus, we thank you for making a way to the Father. So, Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. And, Lord, as we get into this Sermon on the Mount, this series, Lord, that you would just really touch our hearts with understanding more of who you are, understanding deeper the ways in which you've called us to bring your kingdom to this earth. And we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. So as we close this morning, we'll have some prayer teams that are up here. Uh, Even as I'm talking, if you guys could come up to the front. Uh, We can pray for you. Remember if I said if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray that you receive that today. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you've never said the initial, I repent and turn away from trying to find salvation in this world, and I'm turning to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Come up here and get prayer. We want to pray with you. Because Jesus wants to do a work in your life. And if you've got a prayer request for anything else, these teams up here will be able to pray with you. And as we close, I want to send you with this benediction. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Come up and get prayer, otherwise you are dismissed.